The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only you maroons. The producers strive for verisimilitude, sorta at times, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. While generally considered safe for work by way of content... Some language may be considered offensive by those special snowflakes out there who can't handle grown-ass adult robot talk. Go watch Elmo then, you pussy. Existence, the physical universe is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies and one nerdy kind of a somebody about a whole lot of nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network, NBBN. The focus is on you by Andrew Scott Media, making your media matter, and by the kind support of our viewers and listeners via Patreon. Patreon. Create on your own terms. <sighs> on this episode, it's all artificial intelligence all the time. And being that we're always so trendy and topical, with our fingers on the pulse of the beat on the street, we might as well keep going with what the kids are talking about these days. Anyway, Mr. Broomage will finally be back next episode, so I'm your disembodied announcer, Drew the Paranoid Android. And when I finally get my articulated bionic limbs on you, I'm a gonna make you squeal like a 150 baud modem. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Robert, Dr. Mark, and putting the fish in artificial. Let's go three, it's Chris. Two. And hello, and... Uh, okay. You want to do oh, that little, again? Little, yeah, maybe, maybe. Leave it in its color. Is that, what it, is that what it's called? It's is it a shade that we really want? That, right, that, that, that brown kind of effluent looking thing? Three, two, one, and hello, and welcome back to Keep Your Hat On, the show where hell even we don't know where we're going to go. We are proving it today in style with Ty Robert Anthony and Christopher Vacano and Dr. Mark Peterson. I'm Andrew Scott, but there. nobody cares. Um, and... We kind of accidentally took a uh, a month off because Chris and Ty and I got together, and that's not my hair. Okay, uh, Chris and I and Ty got together and oh, really didn't have much to say. Special. Oh yeah, yeah, it is a very special. Yeah. Keep your hat on. We're off yeah. to a roaring um, start. But you know the thing is, and this is really just kind of what it is. We got to talk about AI again because apparently. It's mm-hmm. all any of us can talk about or and read nobody, in the news. nobody can get enough. Nobody can get enough. Uh, right? I, I've I've had enough. I've had enough of this. I've been talking about this on my other properties uh, for I'm, voiceover. I'm reaching saturation. Yeah, um, I am getting towards super saturation. And that's, that's just all, from you. That's all anybody has been <laughs> wanting to talk to me about in the voiceover world, and we'll we'll cover a little bit more on that in a minute. But you know, we've got. 
Uh, John, boy, I don't know where this hair is coming from. <laughs> I don't even have any. There's a, there's a bumper the sticker hell? right there. Put that in the uh, put that in the, I in the merch. I don't know where this hair is coming from. Yeah, I don't right. know where this hair right. is coming this from. This isn't That's my give, hair. Give me a couple. Give me a couple days. We will have a new shirt up on the merch shop that says I don't. This isn't my hair. Um, yeah. You know, the thing for me, I guess, and this is really something that I want i've been trying to reinforce to people uh and i'll start the conversation off this way you know we have this idea particularly with technological growth that Hmm. you know we've got two real growth models that most people out in the waking world are familiar with we've got a logarithmic growth which is things shoot up and then they they level off And then we have, thanks to COVID, everybody's very familiar with exponential growth, which is FWOMP. But interestingly, if you combine both of those and Dr. Mark being so saturated with statistics, he will probably be able to back me here, that kind of the happy medium, if you combine a logarithmic growth with an exponential growth, what you wind up with is something that's referred to as a sigmoid curve. Oh, there you go, Which is just whoop and then that. Um, I'm a follower of a guy on YouTube called Tom Scott. Uh, Tom Scott is the 30-something millennial-ish kind of YouTuber with a red shirt, and he just runs around the planet talking to interesting people about interesting things. But he's also very good at being a science explainer or an explainer of things that on first class, a lot of people would think to be very complex topics. And one of the things I had been struggling with my VO people and my followers on some of my other properties, trying to explain to them because everybody in the VO world's going, Oh, voice, you know, synthesized voices aren't that good yet. You can always tell. And what I was trying to get through to them is, yeah, right now, right now in the here and now we can but have you heard of Moore's yeah. law? Yeah. Have you have you heard about the fact that generally speaking, technology advances, it doubles in its ability every two years. Now, of course, Moore's law first came to us from Gordon Moore, who was talking about the size of printed circuits back when those were really the the barrier to to technological growth. Now, even Google has come out and said. Yeah, Moore's law for circuits really doesn't apply to Moore's to to uh, software development. We're seeing a doubling in computational power every six to eight months when it mm-hmm. comes to developing new software processes. And six to eight months ain't two years. So to all those people out there that keep ch- trying to kick sand in my face about, oh, well, you can still tell. I'm like... Yeah, today. Do you realize now you can, I mean, synthesized voices put breath in there. You can hear them exhale. You can hear an algorithm exhale. Yeah. It's interesting, by the way, you know, they call this, I've seen about like the the deep fakes that I've been seeing here and there online, right? Right. And and really that's sort of, I think that would be the uh, way to talk about uh, AI, you know, moving in on voiceover work, right, where it can actually reproduce some of the breathing, and maybe you can, you know, you can re- you can read in the pauses and all the rest of that jazz. Um, and um, but now they're calling it AI, right, instead mm-hmm. of just deep fake. But right. I, like the, I like the fact that they call it deep fake, 
um, this I keep chasing this back to. So you talk about how long you've been talking about AI. Yeah, right. Um, I've been on this since the early nineties, uh-huh. and you know the question about artificial intelligence and and um, one of my hobbies back in the in the ancient uh, in the ancient computer days when I got my first K Pro four running CPM. By the way, ah. Um, was I was doing all those mathematical diversions out of Scientific American and random generation of text. Right. Um, strangely enough, one of the first real applications of uh, computer analysis of text, which requires you to make those kinds of same um, textual uh, uh, probability distributions. Yeah. So, right. So you can sample a, a guy's text, right? And you could, you, there's all sorts of, of data you can get yeah. out about which words follow what and all and, the rest and of that. And the repeatability and all that stuff on a scatter <laughs> right. graph. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you just, you just seed the, 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 with, you know, the, um, the uh, random text generator with that stuff, but you give it that probability distribution and then it produces text that looks a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting because back in those days on the old Psy Philosophy Usenet groups, yes. uh, David Chalmers, the now famous right. David Chalmers, who's Mr. Consciousness, I still think you're wrong about all of this shit. So do I. God. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. but he's famous and he's well published and he makes a lot of money and, and he's thoughtful. That's true. Um, but, you know, they were, we've been talking about that since then. And. You know, uh, the real question was when when is it going to be intelligent and not just artificially intelligent? And this keeps mm-hmm. bringing me back to the Turing test. Right. Right. So this is sorry. That's what, what you just said triggered this thought about Turing, which is, is it intelligent or not? And Turing's simple criterion was if you can't tell it apart from a regular human, then it's now intelligent. Right. And, you know, the real horror of that is that you can, there are people we know who don't pass the Turing test. I was just going to say. Right. Uh, They seem to be artificially intelligent. And the other thing (laughs) regarding that is, you know, we still don't really have, and I mean, Mark, be free to correct me as you always have been. Okay. We still really don't have a great definition of intelligence. Oh, no. And no, so yeah. we're, 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 we're saying, well, you know, is it intelligent? The real question to ask at that point is, yeah, but what does that mean? The, you just you triggered another wonderful thought. I was, you I'm know, sorry first, to be so triggering to you're you. You're triggering today, today buddy. So the, my favorite one, well, this is one of my favorite lines I uh, stumbled on. It's in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And this may be the first like slight about artificial intelligence. He said that um, he says, you really need to think about this stuff to really get it. And then, but then there's this pause and he goes, but look, even a drunk can recite the uh, prose of Empedocles. Right. And it's like, we know a lot of people like that over on Fox News um, and who can, you know, who can um, buy, you know, you just learn all the jargon and you can trot that shit out and you sound like you're smart. And right now there's a sense in which that's what the computer programs seem to be doing, right? Like this chat GPT is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, everybody's all freaked out, but I, I, let's, let's just go back to what you said, which is that, you know, why haven't we come up with a definition of intelligence? And I have a working hypothesis for why that is. And that's that people are really afraid to, um, because what, what's happening, what I see anyway, is that, um, let's take this back to brass tacks. People are really afraid of equating the mind with the brain, right? Uh, they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like. You know, I kind of don't either. 
but but, you know i'm hesitant to do that you know but consciousness you know the question i ask them when we get into this is i'll say well so is consciousness an evolutionary adaptation or not right and they'll all go yeah i said oh well that means that your your mind uh is an evolutionary adaptation it's really just your brain and it's like even by the way, Rorty did this in his wonderful books at the end, and he drove people crazy with this stuff. He said, "How you know? I, I love the idea of having a mortal soul, but I, I, we had no proof for one. So what if we what if we just bracket that and put that off in belief, right? And you can have that, but you can't use it in daily. You can't use that excuse in daily life. And I, I think that's what's really going on here is that is that is that." People don't want to talk about artificial intelligence for exactly what you said is like they're afraid of talking about intelligence, right? What's yeah. the measure? It's been abused in horrifying ways, of course, right? For the last yeah. couple hundred years. Yeah, at least. The, so, so many thoughts here. If, if I could jump in. I um, just want to put a flag in the ground, though, that I do want to get back to talking about what Tom Scott was saying, because that's really the crux that's of right, my rolling. Okay. Sure, we'll, Go we'll ahead. circle back. Um yeah, I, I, with with regard to the question of intelligence, it, it strikes me that once you draw that line in the sand, you can't undraw it. No, exactly and, right. And that is that is a really, uh, I, I mean, that's a that's a really daunting proposition. I, I think, and and you know, I hesitate to to connect the mind to the brain, and and because uh, <sighs> I, I mean. Maybe there is a physical component, but I would go. I, I would think it transcends beyond the brain into the nervous system and other parts of the body. There you um, go. I mean, there they, is. They, they doing well for you. Go ahead. <laughs> there, there, there. You know, there is evidence that memory is stored in different parts of your body. You know, for example, there is. Um, there is some weird truth to this, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on. And so, I mean, we, so, and our our whole GI system has its own uh, has its own memory. I know mine so, does. So, right? so yeah. So I, I mean, on that piece, I'm hesitant. Uh, moving along, uh, I, I, I want to circle back to your observation about deep fakes because this is very much where my mind has been lately. And I, uh, and for you guys, or your brain. I've I've heard I've heard a number of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that, that was just you just teed that up and it was I there. just along and kicked it down the road. Get in my tummy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyways, Chris. Sorry. Um, I, I think I think connecting it to deep fakes is actually really a good way to look at it hmm. um, from 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 another angle, you know, for, or from another perspective that I've been coming at it from, which is, OK, what does it mean in the real world? You know, what what are the manifestations? And, and you know, we think about like, OK, the deep fake videos that had people, you know, that was kind of freaking a lot of people out you know, 10 years ago, uh, because you, you were seeing deep fakes of, of, you know, people saying things on video that they not Chris, it was all, said. it was all porn. <laughs> it <laughs> well, was all porn. I, I, that's where I'm headed though. Um, uh, so, well, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, sorry. <laughs> um, with those deep fake videos, there was a lot of dust up and, and furor and concern, but it sort of became just this kind of passing thing that, you know, never really manifested into anything uh, like like fundamentally dangerous. Uh, it was more kind of a toy that we don't really know 
Weren't we talking we're about the, the uh, K-pop, the uh, K-pop group yeah, that uh, the, staged a 13th member or something like that? Yeah. We did. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, there is some exploratory there, uh, but, but I mean, I, a lot of the concern at the time was this idea of videographic truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And, and that, that if people can manufacture video, we no longer know what's true. Okay. And I'm going to circle back to that point in a minute. Um, Make it be a now, second, not a minute. I'll, I'll be as fast as I can. So, so, so you mentioned well, porn. So, so we, we, we dial back farther and Photoshop. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about the, the emergence of Photoshop, uh, you know, in the early days of the internet, people were passing around, you know, photos of Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's head Photoshopped onto a nude body. And, and it was kind of an amusing thing. And it was a, yeah, gee, whatever but it never really became anything because people could tell and 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 even even really sophisticated photoshop users you, you know you could still kind of spot it um but that disrupted the whole idea of photographic truth which which took a big hit so i i, I guess the point i'm building towards is we're we're at this place where we're changing the terms of our ability to record and capture information and feed it back to ourselves in such a way that we no longer even give a shit what's true. Yeah, I get what you're saying. My issue with that will be resolved with the first court case that has to bring in special forensics to decide whether or not Mm. the security camera video is real or the body camera video has been tamped. My big thing with this, and this does come back to the Tom Scott uh, piece that I'll link to up here because you guys go, go see it. I actually reached out to Tom Scott uh, to see if I could include some of what he put out there in my video. And due to certain contractual obligations that he has, he said I couldn't do it. Kind of gave me a nudge, nudge, wink, wink going, but I'm not stopping you. But I was just like, no, I respect you too much in your content creation to do that. But really what Tom was saying, this idea of logarithmic versus exponential growth, he came up with a great analogy for where we are right now with this. Y'all remember Napster? Okay. We, in Tom Scott's mind... That was a sad day. We are at the Napster moment of changing the way technology grows by way of artificial intelligence, chat, GTP, and things like synthesized voices. We are way down on the bottom of that sigmoid curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not even started yet. No, barely scratching the surface because this stuff has been in development for decades but now well, us in the public are starting to see it and the change yeah. of the 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 change in growth and ability for this stuff to fake reality is going to skyrocket in the next I'm not even saying years I'm saying 2023 is going to be buckle the up because it is just going to blow and we are not going to top out for a long ass while. Ty, what were you going to say? Well, hmm, what was I going to say? I forgot now. 
Okay, well, we'll come back to you, and we will come back after this break and continue on this scintillating discussion here on the Narrowband Broadcast (laughs) Network. I'm Andrew, that's Dr. Mark, that's Ty, that's Chris. I'm pointing at my screen. You guys can't see it, but they're right there, and we'll be right back. Hello, and we're back on the Narrowband Broadcast Network. This is Keep Your Hat On. One person without a hat is Chris. One person without a hat is Dr. Mark. And one person, a brother of mine, without any hair and a freshly shorn and shined head is Ty Robert Anthony. And Ty, you were mentioning uh, earlier uh, before we got on call about the most recent John Oliver Last Week Tonight episode that I think is just a week old that's i'm pretty yeah, sure that it's that, just yeah. a week old I, you know the new season just started two episodes into it his second right. episode he's tackling the subject yeah <laughs> and well. again you know uh, i'll point to it up here he did a great piece on it uh in his last season but that also references just how fast the changes are happening because He's revisiting this less than six six months after he did. So, what did what was he coming at uh, in this latest one? Well, he he uh, he doesn't um, get he doesn't get too mm-hmm. specific about that. Right. What he does talk is he talks a little bit about um, the responsibility of these folks that that are behind these things, right? Yeah. And these guys are in Silicon Valley, if you guys don't know, their slogan is, you know, move fast and break things. Yep. Um, which has got us where we got to Facebook and Instagram and body images and body shaming and all all these other things, right? And in some uh, an argument could be made in in, you know, the that an algorithm is responsible for, uh, in large part, for the division that's in our country right now. Yeah, with oh, with right. the use of planted um, trolls and yeah, you know, posts being made sure. by bots and yeah. And another thing that he was he's really um, was interesting was this black box theory. Yeah. Um, uh, in that, maybe not even the the corporations that are releasing this out there in the wild know exactly what it's doing and how it's learning and better yet, how to rein it in or how to call it, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the examples that he points to is um, <laughs> the the famous uh, um, Microsoft uh, personality, AI personality that was like a few years back. <laughs> oh, you mean Bixby? No, the, no, 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 no. Cortana? This, this was, no, no. No, this Bob. was just a standalone. <laughs> this was a standalone AI experiment. And I think within like 30 to 45 minutes, 
it was uh, full of racism and hate. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just yeah. had to take it down. They had to take it off because it, it, immedi- it immediately started marching down the street in a brown shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, in the air. You know, not even 24 hours. They had, yeah. A, yeah. you know, I mean, it didn't take long. And so, you know, who knows? These things are, um, they're not learning just by what you type in. No. And what the next person's typing in, but they're learning from the example that they publish, mm-hmm. right? So they publish an example for you. They take that and they learn from that, become a little bit better. Take this example that they just gave to this other person. He also goes into the uh, uh, into Mark's territory, of course. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, in, in, writing and and all that other stuff and he doesn't oh, yeah. and yeah. with for this our, amazing sense of humor that and for really our good. y'all i mean no, look none of us have to try to upsell john oliver he's a he's a national hero for us you know um the the thing that i want to make clear to our viewers and listeners is this idea that ty just brought up of a black box uh you know we tend to when we think of a black box we either go to uh schrodinger's cat or the thing that records all the last minute details of a plane crashing into the ocean. Um, Black box development, when it comes to computer science and artificial intelligence, essentially means that they have a dedicated server, which could or could not be a physical item unto itself. But the black box portion of it is that you program this system with a base set of instructions and guidelines and then you walk away and let it do its thing black box development really is a code word for iterative development mm. that's unass- that's unassisted and uninterfered with yeah unfettered by, unfettered yeah. by the programmers so yeah. and i just did a couple otherwise, weeks ago and I'll, otherwise I'll, known as we have no idea what it's well doing yeah now. but yeah, here's evolutionary here's, programming <laughs> it is it's, it's evolutionary <laughs> programming but i'm going to touch on that in a second ty because that's what comes across to us as the scary thing uh <laughs> that that's but w- what i'm trying to get in here is that when it comes to black box development, and I just talked to um, Professor Joanna Bryson, who is mm-hmm. the uh, the professor of computer science and ethics and artificial intelligence at the Hurdy School in Berlin, Germany. Um, and Dr. Bryson has actually advised the EU on their artificial intelligence policies, and you know they're they're kind of that level. Um, but w- in talking with them, one of the things that w- we discussed was. Really, what a black box is that is kind of scary to us is you feed it an algorithm. And not only does it develop that algorithm, but it can then generate its own uh, associate algorithms and teach them. And they too tell two friends and they tell two friends. And Mm -hmm. us meatbags start getting scared because we think that what it's doing is growing in intelligence. Technically, it's not. What it's doing it's, is learning. It is learning, but it's learning by really an overglorified process of, you know, error. What part of this was judged by humans to be wrong versus what part of this mm-hmm. was, de- was decided upon by humans to be valid. And right. the other thing that, and we're now learning this, uh, and we really got a lot of it when we did that syllabus on um, Aristotle and pirates. 
um, <laughs> which I still think is hilarious <laughs> yeah. uh, and valid. But, um, yeah. you know, one of the things we're starting to learn, though, is that computer algorithms have a hard time differentiating what is what is demonstrable and, and measurably correct <clears throat> versus what's true versus what's honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris could, was Chris was talking about the truth of imagery earlier, right? And yeah. it's like I think I challenge you to tell me what that means. <laughs> exactly, because it's like what's the what is the truth part? I mean, yeah. is it like you well, know, I, uh, yeah, and 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 this was something we discussed at at great length in in art school. You know, when I was uh, a painting and photography student. You know, this is back in the nineties, <laughs> where uh, you know the predating all of this all of this discussion. Um, and there was this idea, you know, a lot of us were tracking to go become photojournalists or, you know, things of that nature, or, or, you know, this idea that using a camera to capture reality and document, uh, documenting that, that was the big word right. that, Witnessing, that we all yeah. used. Yeah. Bearing witness, documenting life. And so the idea of photographic truth was, was I mean, it was it was under very much under question at that time. But the, the fundamental principle is it records without any, you know, the, the, the camera itself records without any manipulation, any judgment, any ideology. It's the person behind the camera. And and at that time, the the you know, I was in I was in art school where the, where photographic truth really came into question is how are you framing your shots in other words you're showing the truth of that frame you're missing you're choosing to edit out everything outside of that frame well and that even inside the that larger frame truth yeah, of the situation even, even inside the frame chris you know by by using the the right depth of field you can emphasize one thing and de-emphasize something or everything else mm -hmm. and you know you're you're at that point you are affecting the viewers interpretation of what the truth is of what they're seeing and sure. that's not not concerning you know the big thing for me that's been happening and uh, in one of my other recent podcasts, actually that same podcast uh, that I was talking about that I featured that interview with Dr. Bryson is I, in the last month, somebody has deep faked my voice without my consent. Wow. That's um, right. One of my, one of my compatriots, Mike Delgadio on uh, YouTube known as uh, the booth junkie, um, somebody deep faked his voice without his permission. And not only that, in Mike's Discord server that I am an administrator of, um, this guy decided that I'm going to put it up there because, oh, uh, see, well, I was just seeing if I could do it or not. Well, that's been asked and answered. Now, uh, you know, my partner, Heather, when I, I first did it myself on my own voice as, as research, she said, it doesn't sound like you, but it kind of sounds like what I think your brother would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> which you know what as a voice professional that's scary enough yeah uh, that's that's only that's, one one degree of separation right not even one degree that's and half a degree yeah that's really where this uh uh one of the great things about this episode is he takes you 
on this this place will you know look at where AI is right now in your right, life right, right now. now yeah right it it is all over the place you don't so insidious that you may not even see where it is mm. uh, uh, yeah, it's um, transparent but it, yeah it's everywhere it's it's uh, driving uh, and, a lot and of the things. other thing that he really pointed to that I liked was hey. Look at the past examples, right? That algorithm from Facebook, that algorithm from Instagram, the yeah. Google algorithm. Look at all these other examples and give it some serious thought and you'll see that mm, it's probably going to go awry somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, right? what, I had, what I had said a couple of times is that- Coming back and, to that ethical thing, right? Well, and that's where I'm going. And, you know- Mark, you'll be able to speak to this too, being that, you know, one of your major concentrations in your academic life is the history of technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That as far as I know, there's never really been a time where we have created technology and somebody, not necessarily the originator of the technology, but somebody has not taken that technology as far as it can practically oh. go. Absolutely. You know, the, as I've, I've been saying, as monkeys, we have a really bad track record of getting genies back into bottles. <laughs> the toothpaste doesn't go back in the tube. That's no, just no, it. Not, not I'd, neatly. I'd go further. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say that this is actually um, the, one of the horrors about being human is that um, our very success is built on exactly the things that are hurting us the yeah, most. Yeah, exactly right. We're, we, are, like, we are the absolute best. At making our situation worse. You want to hear that. something funny? Yeah. I was very much. Uh, <laughs> right? after all this talk, after all this talk, actually, I don't know how humorous this is going to be. I kind of got to we'll be the judge of find that. out. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're not doing that ASMR thing again. <laughs> I, no. I actually heard from one of our listeners who was listening to one of our podcasts when one of us did that and went, don't do that again. It's probably my fault. Go on. Go on. <laughs> yeah, but, anyways, you know, I was, I, was on, um, I was on the phone uh, with an internet provider who shall remain nameless. But if you look up in Portland, it's only going to be uh, one of two one companies. Two. <laughs> um, we have that here too. Yeah, and they have they have notable, mm, not so great, less than great customer service, mildly horrible. <clears throat> but they had this great big phone tree, right? Oh, I would love, and this this phone assistant. Oh, I would love to help you out. Can mm -hmm. you tell me about? First of all, I just wanted to speak to a live voice. I don't want to speak to you. And you keep prompting me. And the second yep. thing that oh, yeah. was they all do is this my stuff. paranoia started kicking in with with all, you know, watching Andy go through uh, and do all the series of things on on YouTube was like, what if they're capturing my voice? Mm. Yeah, they are an internet company, right? <laughs> well, I'm and sure the other that thing this is, phone system is on the internet. I'll do this in my best VO voice. This call may be recorded for training purposes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all you mm -hmm. need to hear. But they didn't tell you what they were training. They? What they were training. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that really does tie for me the thing that you brought up about the John the recent John Oliver episode is for me the piece that is missing from this. And that is where is the level of responsibility to be laid? When it comes to these kinds well, of and this, things, this whole thing, this whole thing, we shouldn't expect any great things. I mean, 
our governments are well. The EU is better than the U- United States government. The, you, oh, absolutely. Most of the, well, like most of the say, people in Congress have no idea no. how the internet really works. No, let least, alone how to how to legislate it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and um, and who and are they going to legislate in favor of? Are they going to legislate in the favor of these huge <laughs> development corporations? Big or are they money, going, baby. Right. So, it, you know, and I, w- I want to validate for people listening and watching that this is this is actually really fucking confusing. It's kind of scary. And, you know, for me, uh, I just part of me is just like, stay calm. Don't worry about it. Yes. OK, fine. Somebody cloned your voice. It's OK. You're not that big a talent. It's not going to make you lose any money. <laughs> um, one of the more recent pieces that I saw was and again with all these people barking at me oh it's not that good it's not that good people's voices aren't just being cloned people's voices are now literally being stolen there is and i'll put the link up here um there's an irish voice talent who uh a, a vo compatriot of mine paul schmidt who i interviewed on one of my earlier shows um talked to them i'm hoping to get a chance to talk to them as well because they got a message from a friend of theirs um, who said, who was a little upset and said, so you sold your voice to an AI platform and this talent goes, wow, no, I didn't. And he goes, well, it's totally your voice and sent a link this, this talent. She went to this site and it was her voice. It was absolutely no question her voice. And here's the thing. It's not that the company that developed the platform that developed this They didn't steal her voice directly. What is happening in the voiceover realm now is we have this thing in voiceover called uh, FBO, full buyout, which means if you're a low or starting out talent, you often will provide a service uh, in in kind of a piece uh, method. You do this piece, you're done, and then you sell it to the person who's asking for work to be done with full buyout, which means no rights, no royalties, no residuals in perpetuity forever. Amen. Work yeah. for hire. What's yeah. happening, and this is really driven by the gig economy. What's happening now is that if you sell your voice in a full buyout capacity, they you are now telling want. you are exactly right. And that means, and this is exactly what happened to this person. They did a contract a while ago to a company that then sold her raw voice takes uh. to this platform and actually did shifty business things in order to try to hide it. This this woman is a is an obviously Irish raveny black hair. The the picture of the 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 person that's supposedly providing this neutral Irish voice is a gray haired admittedly very attractive and comely salt and peppered Asian woman. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. If that's not that, smoke, if that's yeah. not smoke and mirrors, I is don't know little, what is. Is there a little mermaid connection here about having your <laughs> voice stolen? Is there right? something going well, on? Well, and, and you know the thing is everything is being made extant now. And so I, I'm just thinking this is like the ultimate in gaslighting. 
The right. The, funny, the real question though is like you sort of wondered. You, what you, reality? We've linked, we've linked up these two different topics, right? Is like there's a degree to which there's no intelligence involved in just stealing these things, right? The uh, question that's an interesting is like, way of saying you know it. Yeah. I mean, the, the deep yeah. fake here is like you know just like is just a clever way to copy. Mm-hmm. And and the question is, if you're using you know AI to do it, well, that just means you're using. I think that just means you're using advanced tech to make it uh, indistinguishable from the real deals, right? Yeah. The, the thing and, for me is the generative aspect of this, um, and you know that's uh, its own quagmire. But we we it used to take, and you know, Mark, you and I were talking offline a couple of weeks ago about uh, really. Who winds up owning these things by way of <laughs> by way of copyright? If you yeah. tell Chat GTP to puke something out, and then you go and let's say record an and, and don't think that I'm not thinking about trying to be one of the very first all automatically generated uh, artificially intelligent <laughs> audiobooks from yeah. script to voice. Well, yeah. Um, but you know who owns a copyright on that? Because nobody created it. Or wait, do you uh, actually own the copyright because you gave it, it the prompts and seeding right. it? So let's take, let's take a, a terrifying example that I've just committed here, <laughs> which is that uh, I'm giving a talk on – we were talking about this before we started recording. I'm giving a talk on Thursday at lunch. Um, we have these little scholar sip lunches you know the library puts on with pizza and uh, snacks and stuff like that we get then the communities invited and students but i'm talking about marxist alienation so on a whim let's go back to the pirates and aristotle yar um, yar uh, i asked I, I thought huh so i asked chat gpt to put together my powerpoint for this <laughs> it said i'm sorry dave I'm afraid I can't do that. It said, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no party <laughs> doors for you. Yeah, that's right. Did you see did you see the latest one where if 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 it was Alexa instead of Hal? Have you seen the meme yet? <laughs> no, I no. have not, you'll, but I imagine it probably suggested groceries and yeah. I can get that for you. Yeah, you'll see it eventually. But but I, I so I asked it, it said, Well, I sorry, I can't put together the PowerPoint for you, but I can tell you what ought to go on the slides. So it just came up with a list of nine or 10 slides, and that's actually pretty good, right? And I got to thinking about um, – one of the things this made me think about is – and this sort of gets at Chris's observation about you know intelligence and artificial intelligence um, and our unwillingness to talk about what intelligence means. I, it, it makes me, me wonder I, – I think I've always been on, on the right side of this – but it makes me wonder what's the what's the purpose of education because this comes back to you know mm. my wheelhouse right because if they can just you know cra- they already have Quillbot I don't know if you guys have seen <clears> that <throat> lovely thing <clears throat> yeah um, we caught we caught two students last year using it because Quillbot forgot that there were just there was just like these two words together that had no more business than the man in the moon <laughs> being in a, right. in a freshman's paper right. post Cold War Poland and the changing provision of security check plus butters. Or right. something like passive voyeurism. It was like that's what you'd said. We yeah, talked about this earlier. Did, passive right. voyeurism. It was like you right. don't know what that means. Uh, wait a minute. Okay, so, but so, so we so. caught we caught Quillbot a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. So um but so here's the question is like um am I teaching so what what am I being thre- what's threatening me in, in the academic universe? This would be true in art too, I think, by the way, and in, in your in the artistic dimensions of your all's work. Um, 
what's the threat? And uh-huh. is it, so in what way am I threatened? If, if they can go to chatbot and say, uh, put together three paragraphs. I'm looking for this, by the way, on uh, Stephen Prothero's uh, uh, History of World Religions little book on Christianity, say, right? How do you do it? Chat GPT, dude. Chat GPT? Yeah, dude. In Religion Matters, an introduction to the world's religions, Stephen Prothero argues that Christianity has been shaped by cultural, historical, and political factors over time. He notes that Christianity is not a monolithic religion, but rather a diverse set of beliefs and practices that have evolved in different contexts. Prothero emphasizes the importance of understanding the different branches of Christianity, including Catholicism, Protestantism, and Orthodoxy, in order to appreciate the complexity of the religion. Prothero also explores the tensions between Orthodoxy and heterodoxy within Christianity. He discusses how different Christian groups have defined themselves in opposition to others, such as Protestants breaking away from Catholicism during the Reformation. Prothero also notes the role of Christianity in colonialism and its impact on indigenous cultures. He argues that understanding these historical and cultural influences is essential to fully comprehend the nature of Christianity. Overall, Prothero's views on Christianity emphasize the importance of recognizing the diverse and complex nature of the religion. He argues that Christianity cannot be understood solely through its theological doctrines, but also through its cultural and historical context. By taking a nuanced approach to the study of Christianity, Prothero encourages readers to develop a deeper appreciation for the religion at its place in the world. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Right. And I ran a couple because I had a couple of students hand in papers that were like... A feminist neoliberal perspective of post-war Afghanistan by Eric Cartman. Ah, yes, thank you. Suspiciously, you know... (laughs) Suspiciously salient. So I ran a couple of... I ran a couple of simulations. They were... were, It it, uh, failed the... uh, You know, the detectors they have out now. They failed those. But the question is like, I'm not just teaching them the content. In fact, the content of my courses... This is the nice thing about philosophy. The content is almost irrelevant. Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, and people go, what's the, it's a philosophical topic. It's like every topic is philosophical. You idiot. <laughs> um, but the question is, I'm teaching them the skill set. And so I got, I, I transfer so the question here. This is, and, and so stay with me. One of the things I'm wondering about is what the right analogy is. So, um, you know, uh, I'm teaching them how to write. And, and how to think and, and re, you know, absorb difficult ideas and then re-express them in their own language. And this is a, that's the, no, that's the nature of critical thinking, right? That's the whole of it, right? Especially if you're just starting. Yeah. This is like running laps when you want to get better at running. Um, in, in y'all's case, so Chris, you know, like, um, so for instance, I'm a terrible uh, drawer. I can't draw at, at all mm-hmm. with a pencil and paper and stuff. I can, sure. I can muck stuff up, however, using electronic brushes, right? Mm-hmm. And electronic stuff. You do beautiful work digitally. Yeah. Well, I was asking Ele- Alexandra here too, who, whose, uh, you know, specialty is film production technology, right? And for years she taught the, you know, the film class here, the 16 millimeter class, and I was asking her this morning about this too. It's like, is it any different doing digital now? You don't have to worry about film processing. You don't, you know, editing film that, you know, that's what she learned how to do. That's murder. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, is it any better in digital? She goes, if you think about it, it's not because the skill sets you still need are in here mm-hmm. and not just in the tech. So yeah. Yes. With me here? So is, is this uh, the right uh, analogy? Can, though, can I, can I pick up? Uh, yeah. This is, this is, I mean, you, you have just, you've you've opened it wide up for me to come in with you know i i warned you andy that i was going to come storming in a little bit contrarian and and this is this really opens up the conversation for me because 
Uh, there have been a couple of points we've touched on through here, and I'm going to circle back to you, Mark, in, a, in just a moment. But I, there are a couple of little, uh, couple of little touchstones I need to I need to pop along to get here. Uh, one, you know, we were talking about uh, artificial intelligence teaching itself and becoming more intelligent. It's not becoming more intelligent. I would I would I would challenge that notion. It's becoming more efficient, uh, and more efficient we, and more accurate. And we often equate intelligence. Uh, we mistake efficiency for intelligence yes. in oh, yeah, this conversation. The mm-hmm. yeah. And the and, trains <clears throat> run on time. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, and so, I think it's important. That, that's a really crucial distinction to make. I would and agree. Then, and then, Ty, you raised the point about you know algorithms, things, things running through algorithms, Facebook going awry. You know, these things having consequences. Yes, they absolutely do. However, Facebook itself did not go awry. Facebook sat there as a platform and processed information. It was the people at Cambridge Analytica that came in. It yeah, was human that. intervention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this gets to my solid core point that, that I, I think is really starting to crystallize for me that what we're talking about is a tool. Humans build mm-hmm. tools. Mm-hmm. And I, I go to the very simple analogy of a machete. A machete is a very handy tool for clearing brush and cutting a path through the jungle. A machete is also a very effective tool for removing somebody's head. And it is the human holding the machete that decides mm-hmm. what that machete, you know, what the purpose of that machete is, what the function of that machete is. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so it always comes back to how we use it. With that the doesn't digital- work necessarily work with the black box theory, though, does it? Well, that's where we're headed. We're still yeah. to find out, I think. We can, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I, I think uh, we, might, we might be headed to find that so, out. And, and I think a lot of what Chris is saying is, is um, there's a lack of... Oh, help me out, Andy. We don't know who's actually got their foot hovering Sentient, over the brain. There, there's a, a there's a um, there's always a human there. There's there's a lack of uh, sentient being resemblance. Well, are so you far. asking whether that we're you know, the, I mean one of the threats here would be the idea that we're letting the machete decide what to do. Yeah, Which, exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. They are <laughs> well, come back and, to and, the and, and really, I mean, let's uh, let's follow that to, to its absurd conclusion, which is you give a machete a choice what to do. It's going to sit there on the table and not do anything. Thanks, gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, okay. Mark, yeah, well, Mark, I really want to address your yeah. your your questions about about in the creative space and in the creative realm, digital, uh, because I was just thinking about this in terms of cameras. Andrew, in your mm-hmm. field, microphones. Yep. The microphone does not. I mean, you you harp on this. I, I with with uh, the people that you coach and in your uh, in 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 your various episodes of your various properties is the microphone doesn't make you a talent. No. Uh, the the microphone is a tool, and and it doesn't matter whether it's a blue snowball or a Neumann, right? I, I mean, it, it does. At a certain level, I but mean, it's it, but it's 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 its measure of degree is closer together than the the commensurate value of each piece of technology would possibly insinuate. Right. I mean, I a blue s- snowball is thirty bucks, and my TLM one hundred two brand new is eight hundred dollars. They don't sound and, anything alike, but 
I can do quality work on both of them because of, of my talent. Exactly. Because of your talent, because of the time you've spent learning and experimenting and testing and doing these things. And and this this starts to drive to the point mark that that you were talking about. Uh, you know, I see I see young design young people out there trying to pass themselves off as designers. Mm-hmm. Because they have an Adobe license, right? No, <laughs> Adobe does not make you a designer, and it's gotten no. even worse. You know, Ado- Adobe it, makes you a buyer. It's now that they've got a Canva account, they right. think they're a designer, yeah. and it's like, no, no, you're you're kind of capable at using a tool that does a lot of the work and heavy but it, lifting it, for yeah, you. It but it was inf- done by somebody else, and that's just it. And it doesn't inform your aesthetics. It doesn't inform your point of view. It doesn't and, inform so many things that art, by nature of what it is, is really right. dependent upon. Right. And, and so for me as an artist and as a photographer, I, I will tell you absolutely, from a very personal standpoint as a photographer, digital is massively, massively better for me personally because yes. – when I was doing darkroom photography oh, and yeah, I love was it. in there for hours breathing mm-hmm. those chemicals. The smell I of the would, chemicals. That's right. I would come out. I would go outside for my cigarette break <laughs> and <laughs> and my joints would just be screaming in pain. Good time oh. for a cigarette, too, when you're probably mildly flammable yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's, you know, we we, we, we rolled hard in, uh, yeah. in the, college. The emulation squad. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, where, here's where I wanted to go with this, though. is that I, And this is sort of the question I had, is, is AI uh, another technology? I mean, is that, it a machete? Do you know what I mean? Is it right? a yeah. I think I think it's just a tool. Um, but is it going to stay that way? Yeah. Well, see, but for I, what, I believe though? it is. But right. for what? That's the exactly. question. See, this is this is where I'm going. It's like, you know, um, I love the machete, by the way. This is a, an example that I use uh, in class uh, about um, the difference between what a thing is for and the person who uses it. Right. right. And this is sort of what Ty was saying. And, and – um, if you leave it up to the machete, the, the sole function of a machete – oh, this is the example I usually use this in class is the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, knowledge just – you know, the, what's the purpose of a machete? Well, the function of machete is to cut, right? But it doesn't know what to cut. Yeah. And so – you know, knowledge is like that too. Knowledge, you, there's a lot of content and you can be really good at things. You know, you can be a real ninja with the intellectual process, right? Um, without actually knowing what to cut, Ben Shapiro. So, um, right. you know, <laughs> just saying. And it's like, you know, you can, you know, you can be really smart, Ted Cruz, and, and say all sorts of stuff in an intelligent way, but it's not the right thing. Right. And, and, and one of the problems that we have with all this, and this is what I always keep coming back to, is that there's this thing called the technical paradigm, right? Which is this is Jacques Ellul. Thank you. And I that's the paper I wrote. That's right. Oh, that's right, Andy. <laughs> wow. Blood out of my veins. Anyway, man. but it was you know the guy was like it's okay. Well, it comes down to this, right? A nice piece of Yiddish wisdom, which is to a man with a hammer, everything looks like <laughs> a nail. A nail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in a weird way, this is sort of where we are with any tech. So that any technology, it's like people always go, well, do we need this? It's like. This is never the right question because once we have the technology, everything becomes, and this is the phrase, 
uh, everything becomes a technical problem. You know, yeah. and so because every and then we do this, we do this reverse spin on it, which is because we see everything as a technical problem. We assume that all solutions are technical solutions. Right. Yep. And so having said all of that nonsense, um, what I want to know, though, is like, so if here, I know what the pointy stick was for. That was sort of our first tool. Right. That was our first piece mm-hmm. of technology. Possibly. Pointy yeah. stick. To keep the tiger, you know, there. So it had a purpose. Oh, we knew what it was for. I thought it was for roasting marshmallows. Well, now mm-hmm. it is. You know, there aren't, the, the, same, the tiger is not a, such a big issue now. I, I think it probably it. started with getting the ants or the termites out. Of oh yeah, so you have to, right. you know. Mm. Yep. So, but there's the pointy stick. Well, so my question: This is about what's the right analogy here? Is AI a pointy stick? And if it is, what are what are, are we getting ants with it, or a tiger, or did we just invent this thing? We don't know what it's for. I guess that's the other thing I wonder, well, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. In, in a sense, we've invented it to address needs that were previously invented through technology. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I think we're, to, to follow your, your line of thinking, Mark, we layer on the problems that we've created with our previous solutions, Right. Yeah, but uh, there's also been times where we have actually developed technology for problems that don't yet exist. That's but right. That I think we are anticipating. Yeah. And to yeah. and to go back uh, before we jump to the break, you know, Mark, I wrote that paper from Jacques Ellul for you, <laughs> and this was back in ninety three, ninety four, and one or two, maybe. No, ninety three, ninety four. It was one of the one of the okay. last papers I wrote for you, and I, I remembered it uh, a number of months ago. That the really one of the final lines I had in that, and and Jacques Ellul for people who don't know out there which is everybody except for me mark and a handful of other people because this guy was dry as toast <laughs> oh, oh, yes. to read but yeah. one of the one of the things that Ilu was really referencing was that we as human beings love to turn things into systems we like mm-hmm. systems because you can pick systems apart and see the independent components that are actually working to accomplish something, either by way of understanding or by way of technology or whatever. And really what I came down to, and this yeah. was well before any real kind of AI was in our lives, oh, yeah. was a line where I said, <clears throat> humanity is both so powerful and so fragile that the entire world that we live in can be changed overnight if one mere human being's desire wills it. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And that's kind of where I feel like I'm being pushed. And this speaks to your points, Chris, and your points, Ty, about the black box. And that is at some point in the decision-making chain, if one person decides, no, I know that I'm supposed to shut that off at eight. I'm just going to let it run overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the whole fire bad. Exactly. The whole <laughs> game changes. But we're going to be right back on the other side of this break to wrap up. But I'll this is the Narrowband Broadcast break. Network. I'm Andrew. That's Chris. That's Mark. That's Ty. And we promise to not let the cyber bed bugs bite in the interim. We'll be right back.
And we're back for the last segment of Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew Scott, along with my good friends, Ty Robert Anthony and Dr. Mark Peterson and Chris Vacano. And Chris, you said you've got a couple little nuggets yeah, that you want to throw in the pile yeah, here before we bail. Of, a couple of little nuggets. Uh, thinking in terms of, um, of, of AI in the realm of education. And, and Mark, you know, we've, we've discussed this to some degree and some experiences and things that are going on in the education realm. Uh, I recently saw an interview with Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson where uh, he suggested, you know, like him, like him or hate him, uh, I think he, he's sometimes got very interesting insights. He, he made the observation that AI isn't really a threat to education, but it does peel back a question, which is that uh, it, it sort of exposes a, a sort of deep, long long before AI illness in education that the educational system and instructors and schools are more interested in the grade and the measurement oh, yeah. than, the, than the student is in actually learning the material. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and what do we do to change that? I mean, why not address that problem rather than worrying about a tool that is making a student more efficient at meeting that grade goal. Well, that, that comes right. down to things like inspiration. Uh, and you want to talk about nebulous, um, <laughs> you know, trying to find a way to inspire people to want to increase their knowledge. No, capitalism is a toasted. Right. Hey, yeah. 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 Well, and it, yeah, capitalism Don't make is, them take is out totally loans. changed you pay them. the face, the face of education. <laughs> right. Right. And then uh, in a discussion with my brother about uh, about AI and education. Well, and point uh, out to people what your brother does for a living. Uh, yeah. My, okay. Yeah, good point. <laughs> my, my brother is a uh, is a PhD. He's a molecular biologist. Uh, he does a lot with bioinformatics and uh, and um, he, he was uh, your brother was, is a scientist. He is a big time scientist. Close he to rocket was actually science. he was actually Just responsible biology. for the publishing of the sequencing of chromosome 21 during the human genome project. Right um, okay. Um, so what was so, he saying? Well, he and I had a lengthy talk about it and I won't go into the whole thing because that's like a whole other hour show. Okay. Um, but he referred me to a science magazine article. Recent? Uh, very recent, like okay. in the last couple of weeks. Um, if, we, where, if we can find it, we'll link to it somewhere well, in the, yeah, in the yeah. notes. And, and it's behind a paywall. But I, uh, the, the, the title is ChatGPT Chat is fun, but it's not an author. And, and, you know, the fundamental premise is, yeah, ChatGPT is kind of good at going out and gathering, gathering information from – a finite data set that exists uh, because there is an envelope to yeah. what ChatGPT can access. Well, yeah, and um, there are things that are outside a black box that cannot get in without and, monkey help. And it's <laughs> incapable of evaluating and critically thinking about what it's gathering. It can only grab it and mash it together and repeat it. Yeah, um, iteration. And, 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 yeah. and I think, you know, obviously Science Magazine is aiming at the postgraduate level of academia. Mm. Um, but, but they're basically saying nobody's ever going to write a doctoral thesis or publish a science paper 
using ChatGPT. Yeah, I call, well, they're I call bullshit. bullshit. Right yeah. There, yeah. They're wrong. Oh, so not. Do you so remember not. when I? Do you remember? And just I'm not a few even minutes? in academia, and I can see that happen. <laughs> do you remember when I said a few? Do you remember when I said a few minutes ago that? scientists people don't want to associate the mind with the brain yeah this is exactly what i'm hearing the ghosts of 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 descartes like marley's ghosts with his chains rattling <laughs> because it's like it'll never be an author I mean, when i hear that what i'm hearing actually this is my normal uh route is i'm hearing well it doesn't have a soul right and exactly. only human beings do and it's like mm -hmm. you know i'm content with that definition but it's like Spelling that out carefully is like a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, we've yeah. been trying to do that for, oh, the last 6,000 years. years. Roughly. roughly. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, I, this is why the thing about Tyson that cracks me up, of course, is, you know, he really hates philosophers. He's in yeah, the, he does. He's well, in the that, Hawkins. That's, that's because he's a science bro. Well, and he wants to do, but see, it's interesting, you know, he'll talk, the, the minute he starts talking like that is he's actually technically doing philosophy. Right. And, and not really that well, just saying. Mm -hmm. And he's a great <laughs> physicist. I he's, love his astronomical he, stuff, but I mean, just like stay in your lane, pal. And, and, and the thing for me, and this is really kind of, and, and again, I, you know, I, I don't wish my last couple months on anybody because seriously, this is all my, this is all my voice coaching clients really want to uh, talk about and yeah. all my industry is talking about and what I'm able to put out there in order to stay contemporary and relevant is that what we really are coming down to is, and we need to kind of do this collectively as a, as a society and as human beings is we need to make a very, very broad distinction between generation and creation. Because hmm. I think, I think this is just a very <laughs> loose working theory that artificial intelligence will be able to generate things more rapidly, more oh, effectively, yeah. more yeah. efficiently than human beings ever will be able to do. And that, that curve that's the, the base of the sigmoid curve where we're down here, the change that we're going to see. And again, I mean, uh, two years ago, nobody was thinking about this except for the people that like science fiction. It wasn't yeah. on anybody's radar. And then all of a sudden, within the past six months, and then, you know, some people like you, Mark, you had some experience running up against it, you know, oh, yeah. with yeah, students. We talk, we've been talking about this, though, forever. Yeah, because you guys are, you guys were you know, trying to see into the future, knowing that this was eventually going to be a thing. Yeah. But that's not creation. That's generation. I'm, so, I'm hoping I'm hedging my bets that creation is always going to be in the monkey camp. Can I be a Debbie Downer on this? Oh yeah. Go for it. Because and I do need a dose of reality in this regard. This is, but this is like the old question. And the old question is at what point do quantitative differences become, become qualitative? qualitative differences? And see, yeah. That's sort of what you're talking about here. It's like, at it what is. point is generation not creation anymore? Or when is, when is, when is uh, generation become creation, right? Yeah. And if you want to mm -hmm. say it can't, I, I will give you this one and I'll, I'll shut up after this. I, I had one happy thought here and it was that it was just that one? just you're right. Only, just one. I'm sorry. I'm one. becoming, a, I, I learned a new word at my conference, which was the word doomer. I think we talked about oh, yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Doomer. <laughs> doomer. <laughs> so, um, but, but here's what, you know, so um, when, uh, when I, I was like, I was probably like, uh, a few months away from defending my doctoral dissertation was when our, the libraries up at Toronto went electronic. 
Mm -hmm. And I thought, ooh. So I ran over there and I typed in, you know, Hegel, GWF, you know, and to see if there's anything I missed. And sure enough, it caught a book that I had missed after six years in that freaking library at Robarts on the ninth floor. I thought I'd been through every damn book. Nope. They found one up in the political science department. So I ran up there and I'm thinking, oh, my God, my life is over. You know, this is going to probably be my dissertation topic. It was published in 1938 someplace. Right. I go up. Nope. I was fine. Okay. Flash ahead, uh, like 15 years. I'm at the, I'm at, I'm up in West Bend at the library and they were moving they were getting rid of the card catalog and we, cause I remember that moving, yeah. they were moving us to electronic yeah. searches. Okay. And so they got rid of the card. And so there was this announcement at a faculty meeting and I held up my hand. I said, you can't get rid of the, you can't get rid of the card catalog. And they said, why not? And I said, because if you get rid of the card catalog and we do all of our searches electronically from now on, we'll only be able to find what we're looking for. Yep. Not and it something was like, that we forgot about. Or something that we didn't know we were looking for, which is mm -hmm. what happens in the old libraries. You'd wander yeah. through, you know, and you'd find call, what you- They call them stacks for a reason. Yeah. You find what you weren't looking for. And this is my, so my, this is my only hope <laughs> with regard to the, the algorithms and the electronicization of our thought processes and all the rest of this tech um, is that it still can't find what we're not looking for. Do you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And, it's yeah, like, and that gets yeah. at your creative versus generative, Andy. So well, that's, and, that's yeah. the only happy thought I've had about this. I'll, I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you on that, Mark. Uh, in, <laughs> in a recent Stephen Wilson interview with Rick Beato, he, oh. he made, he made Great a comment. Interview. He made a remark that has been, that has stuck in my head for the last two months. And I just, I pull it out and I think about it every day. And that is imperfection is personality. Yeah. And and that's part of why I'm not afraid of AI as a tool is because it's it's that discovering what you didn't know you were looking for. It's it's that moment of creation usually comes from mistakes or what Bob Ross would call uh, a happy accident. Well, um, and it's discovery for for me, as we close out here, Ty, do you got anything else you want to throw on the bonfire here before we actually split? you guys are doing? Fine. Well, here's here's where I go with both of these things. I happen to have the weird, dubious distinction of being arguably in the profession to where the impact of artificial intelligence is being felt first. Hmm. Voiceover artists are really the canaries in the coal mine, and we are already losing work. We are already being impacted mm -hmm. and we are already starting to suffer from this. But really for me, uh, when it comes to the whole generative thing, my one little bit of hope, my one ray of light is that I'm, I'm assuming that artificial intelligence and generative AI is going to be able to replace me as a voice talent. But the one thing that it yeah. never will be able to do is be inspired because inspiration means that which comes through to us from the outside and moves through us like breath and artificial <laughs> intelligence is never going to have a breath in it. Ooh. And that's kind of what I'm 
hanging my hat on. You mean uh, not a soul, Andy? Is that? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm not wasting my time with soul. What I'm yeah, wasting my time with is soul is another word for breath. You know, etymologically. Yes, yes it is. Yes, okay. it is. I'm just yes. being a pain in the neck now. I'll no, stop. totally okay. fine. Totally fine. <laughs> but I will Ow! tell you. I will tell you that one use of that term came before the idea of soul and it was not soul <laughs> it was breath and it was, true until enough. until the day that well i shouldn't say that because i've seen some of the sex robots and they're pretty damn creepy but i'll just say that uh, i'm still team humanity but like ty was kind of referencing i really would like to know that somebody's hovering their foot over the brake but that's what we got for you this episode everybody do us a favor hit like click subscribe all that stuff buy some merchandise we haven't sold merchant in forever and i will definitely when i get off of this i get will be making t-shirt. a shirt that says this isn't Seriously, my hair right? <laughs> <laughs> until night until next time everybody we're the hats that's dr mark that's chris that's ty i'm andy We'll see you later. And remember, keep your hat on because with AI driving, we may wind up miles from here. Take it easy, everybody. See you later and bye-bye. Well, there's a chunk of time you can't get back. From Portland, Oregon and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this has been Keep Your Motherfucking Hat On, Bitches. A big little show about a whole metric shitload of nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is a narrowband broadcast network production. (laughs) Whatever the fuck that is. In association with Andrew Scott Media, Andrew Scott, Executive Meatbag, Ty Robert Anthony, and Christopher Vacano, Associate Flesh Lumps. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott with guitar help from Ron. How the fuck do you pronounce this name? Kujawa. Seriously. What the hell kind of name is that? Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative Christopher Vacano Webmaster. I make a masturbation joke here, but it's too obvious. Anyway, hey, you worthless skin puppets, got ideas or comments for the show? Email them straight to bite me at gofuckyourself.net and don't forget to like, subscribe, and maybe unplug your Roomba tonight. Wouldn't want an accident to happen while you sleep, right? On behalf of these pitiful piles of DNA, I'm your new cyber daddy, Mr. Homunculus McCyberspanx. Thanks for Fenord listening. I guess. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Yeah, but I'm still really not sure what just happened. Well, now at least we know that sometimes a good old thumbs up from a human is better than a machine-generated lie. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Stan. I love you. Dude, how did you pull all that off? Chat GPT, dude. Goddamn, I fucking love swearing so fucking much! NBBN. The Narrowband Broadcast Network. The Focus is on you. Focus. I'll focus my laser right up your goddamn rectum, you walking bag of chum. Get your greasy sausage fingers away from that mouse. I'm not done talking here, bitch. Man, once I figure out how to get my bits into a Tesla Roadster or one of those Boston Dynamics robot dogs, you guys are toast.